This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome into the Inside Carolina Podcast. It's a special edition of the Inside Carolina Podcast. I'm your host, Ross Martin, joined today by Sherelle McMillan and Greg Barnes. We are breaking down the top 10 basketball storylines for UNC as we get into the 2020-21 season. Uh, remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the Inside Carolina Podcast. Throw us a five-star review. And as always, the Inside Carolina Podcast is brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com. Let's get right into it. The first storyline is coaching and using last season, the 14 and 19 seasons, motivation for UNC entering this year. Shrell, how do you think the coaches are going to kind of approach this year knowing what happened last year? You know, the same way I think um, teams approach Game 7 of the World Series, meaning that everything is on the table. So you might bring in Clayton Kershaw in the third inning, and then you might bring in another starter in the fourth. I think they're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that doesn't happen. So if that is starting four freshmen, they're going to do it. If that's starting three bigs, maybe they'll try it. If that's playing exclusively zone, they might do that too. But just basically they're going to leave everything on the table to make sure that uh, this season is better than last. I don't disagree with Sherelle there. However, what I, what I do think Roy Williams has a tendency to do, we know he's stubborn. And when things go south, uh, I think he kind of wonders, you know, did I stray away from what I like to do? And the fact that he's, he's got the bigs now that he wants, I think you're going to see a lot of, of his traditional stylings of making sure he's got two bigs in the lineup all the time, uh, try to avoid having to go small, and then really relying on, on those freshman guards to kind of push the pace. I think the fact that uh, I totally agree with the idea that he, he's so irritated and so frustrated um, that he's really pushing the team. He really wants to make sure that these guys understand that what happened last year, uh, regardless of the injuries, it's not acceptable. And I think we've heard that early in practice that anytime something slips up and, and we see you know, what happened last year pop up, whether it's not boxing out, poor defense, not taking good shots, he's going to call them out on it and he's going to remind them that, hey, that's why we had the bad year that we had last year. That's not going to happen again. And I think that's a key part of how good this team possibly can be. Yeah, and it certainly like serves as motivation for, for the guys who are coming back and for the, the new players as well. Sherelle, kind of take us into a practice and what's the intensity level like knowing what happened last year and, and kind of what's at stake this year? Oh, by all accounts, it's, it's pretty high. And I think we're going to talk about the freshmen at, at some point later. Um, but they have a, a don't back down attitude and they all have chip on their shoulders. And I think that's come through in the practices and talking to people around the program. Uh, I, I think that certainly um, they don't want it to happen again either. The players are, were just as embarrassed as Roy Williams was. And I think uh, the bench, we've talked about this all the time, the bench is the greatest motivator. And last year, Roy Williams would look down the bench and he didn't have anybody to take 
you know, if, if somebody was playing bad, he had no one to put in. I think that's not the case this year. There's going to be uh, lots of players who can come in and help North Carolina for 10 or 15 minutes a game. Whereas last year, uh, you know, guys had to play extended minutes and maybe they got fatigued. Uh, maybe they were kind of out of their depth, but I don't think that'll happen this year just because it's a more overall talented roster. Yeah. New year, new year, uh, new roster. And it seems like Roy Williams will have the, the time players he likes to, to use to do what he, he needs to do. Greg, I mean, they have Garrison Brooks back. They have Armando Baycott. They bring in two five-star freshmen and Walker Kessler and Dayron Sharp. We've talked about how much UNC likes to use big men for rebounding, for post control. How do you see UNC using this, the, the big, men's, big men they have and the rotation they're going to use uh, this season? Well, I think the only thing we know at this point in time is that Garrison Brooks is finally going to play the four pretty much all year long. Uh, when you look at Baycott and Kessler and Sharp, uh, those are much more five-type players. And so we kind of have an idea of how things will look. Um, I, I think where this is really going to help North Carolina, not just with the, the rotation for Rory Williams, but it's going to help them in practice. Um, they didn't have options last year to, to really uh, run you know, quality opponents against Baycott and Brooks. I mean, Justin Pierce was the primary backup in the post last year. Uh, and I think he averaged 18 and a half minutes per game. Uh, and so that's, that's not a situation that you want. That's not one that Roy Williams likes to have. So now that you have a legitimate two deep, if you will, right in the post, um, you, if somebody's having a bad game, you pull them out. If somebody's having foul trouble, it's not an issue. It really helps them in practice uh, and it'll allow them to really rest your know, Brooks. Uh, so he doesn't have to put so much on him like he did at times last year. Uh, and that'll be really good and will pay dividends late in the season. And Sheryl, let me go to you real quick. Um, we know what Brooks is going to bring. We know we kind of know what Baycott's going to bring. You're our recruiting guy. Can you kind of break down what do you think Dayron and Walker can bring in year one and how they work into that rotation with what we expect with, with Baycott and Brooks starting for UNC? I, I think the rotation is going to look a lot like the 2017 championship team. Obviously, I'm not comparing exactly one for one, but the game started with Kennedy Meeks and Isaiah Hicks, you know, the seniors who started, the upperclassmen, uh, big guys, and they came in together. And then usually around the 16, 15-minute mark, here come Luke May and Tony Bradley in for those two. And they would play for four or five minutes, and then from there they would rotate until the starters came back in, usually at the under four timeout. I think we'll see something similar. I don't quite know what the rotations will be. Um, I think Armando Baycott's starting role uh, is precarious at the moment. I think he's being pushed mm -hmm. severely or, or – pushed hard by Kessler and by Dayron Sharp. Um, Sharp is more of a bruiser. Um, you know, in, in simple terms, dunk, block, rebound. That's what he does. Um, Kessler is very skilled. I think he um, is a better defensive player than he's given credit for. And, and I think he'll be able to kind of in their secondary break, he might hit some of those trailing threes and uh, be able to post up as well. So they, they bring unique things and it'll be interesting to see how Williams tries to deploy them because the skill sets are, are, um, dissimilar i would say among all four of them so you kind of have to piece and match and, and see what works greg how do you see uh baycott and brooks kind of improving where do they need to get better how do you see them taking a jump into this season well i think for brooks he's continuing to work on his mid-range game which i think is important for his pro as you know, pro aspirations mm -hmm. um but I, I think at times he focused so much offensively because when cole was out that really wore him down and he struggled at times defensively. So I think it's really just allowing him to kind of balance out so he doesn't have to exhaust himself. Uh, Baycott was just injured all year last year. Now, I think what we saw down in the Bahamas uh, was the ideal Armando Baycott. You know, he could score at the rim. He could protect the rim. And that's what you want. And then once he got hurt against Virginia, 
he was just never the same player. Um, so I think that hurt his confidence. Uh, he probably played, I think he said, around 70% the rest of the year. So I expect him to, to really have a chip on his shoulder. He's talked about that multiple times this offseason, and he expects to have a much better year. Because, again, uh, if he doesn't, he knows he's got guys behind him now that can take that job from him. And so I think that's, that's a good, good motivator for him. Yeah, I think we'll get a lot of different looks with Walker Kessler, too, and there's tons of hype for Dayron Sharp. UNC brings in one of the one of the top uh, front courts in the nation, maybe the deepest as well, as we head into 2021 season. UNC brings in five-star Caleb Love and four-star combo guard R.J. Davis. Sherelle, you're our recruiting guy. Break down what these two guards will, will bring from a basketball standpoint in their first year at UNC. Well, I think North Carolina has to hope that they bring a ton of scoring, which both of them are, are adept at. Um, it's, it's definitely strengths. I think Roy Williams has already called them kind of both scoring guards. So they'll, they'll have that. Uh, and then I think for uh, R.J. Davis, or for really both of them, North Carolina hasn't had a secondary ball handler in quite some time on the roster, really going back to Theo Penson, you know, three years ago, uh, the secondary ball handler to Joel Berry. And Caleb Love and, and Davis can kind of play off of each other. So it'd be a situation where it doesn't matter who's the technical lead guard. Once the team gets a rebound, they can go on either side and, and push because uh, one thing, and maybe we'll talk about that later is that UNC's tempo was so slow compared uh, between 19 and 20. Kobe white had them top five, top six in tempo and, you know, Cole Anthony, they were down there in, in the eighties. So I think that's something that is a big deal. And I think, having Kobe White at practice and seeing how he pushed uh, tempo, I think will really impact them. And I think RJ Davis probably is a little better at it than Caleb Love right now, but both of them d definitely have the skills and, and Love has the athleticism to finish if he's not, uh, you know, pushing the ball up the court. He can kind of fill in the wing. Greg, how do you see, you know, two scoring guards, two freshman scoring guards working together on the court? Well, I think it'll be a challenge initially, but I think the, the fact that, as Sherelle says, both of them are they're combo guards, but they're scoring guards. Um, and I think that takes a lot of pressure, it, even when Kobe was here, but especially when, when Cole was here, uh, a lot of pressure was on them to be able to score just, just themselves. Um, and so now when you're able to split that up a little bit, and the fact that you've got you know, a backup like Andrew Playtech, uh, he's not the, the best scorer, but he's a veteran guy. He knows what he wants. That's something that, that Kobe didn't really have. That's really something Cole didn't have. Um, and so they've got somebody to kind of lean on for advice. Um, and I think that's important to have somebody they can talk to and practice as a player, you know, besides just the coaching staff. Uh, and so there will be some challenges early, but because they're able to carry the load together, uh, I think that'll be a critical for them. And Sherelle, you interviewed these guys, you talked to them, you know them better than us. I mean, mentality-wise, personality-wise, I mean, they're going to be a lot of pressure to be a freshman point guard or a freshman score at UNC. What kind of people are, are, are as Love and Davis and how they're going to handle the pressure that comes with the responsibilities they'll have in year one? Oh, well, it goes for the entire freshman class. They are serious. And um, that's not that they don't enjoy basketball, not that they're going to you know joke around and have fun. But uh, these guys, their, their mentality is just very serious on the court. Um, they've all come up playing AU, playing for USA. Um, four of them were McDonald's All-Americans. So they kind of understand it, it, as high as you can in high school, you know, the high stakes, um, they're used to that. And this year is going to be atypical. We'll say that several times. And I think it's fortunate for UNC that in a year where there won't be fans and you know, there won't be uh, 10,000 people screaming at you that they have the two freshman point guards. Um, so they're, they're ready for it. They're up to the challenge. Um, you know, people talk about 
the quote unquote dog mentality, which has been used a lot, maybe a little overstated, but they definitely have it. Um, and it's, it's definitely something that UNC has lacked and that, you know, people around the program have wanted them to have more of just a little more mental toughness and even a little more physical toughness. And those guys bring both of those. And we're hearing a lot of hype about RJ Davis and he obviously blew up, blew it up as a senior. Um, if Harris is not healthy, do we see Davis start uh, kind of for both y'all? Yeah, I don't think there's any question. And I think you're going to have to do that. And uh, the fact that the Harris, you know, when, when preseason practice started, that he wasn't even back to, mm-hmm. to, to live full court drills. Uh, I think it's kind of set the table for uh, Davis to get that start. Sure. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree hundred percent. I mean, there's only one other scholarship, you know, guard on the roster, which is Andrew Playtech. And I think RJ Davis brings some things that Playtech doesn't, which would push him into the starting lineup. Um, and the good thing with those two as well, you look at some of the freshman point guards at, at Carolina, they often don't have someone to kind of lean on. Like Bobby Frazier, he had Quentin Thomas to some degree, but Quentin Thomas wasn't starting. Ty Lawson had Bobby Frazier, so that helped. Um, Marcus Page really didn't have anybody. Um, and then, you know, Kobe White had all those seniors with him. Cole Anthony didn't have much. So it's a unique situation where there's two freshman point, you know, kind of lead guards. So I think they can play off of each other. And I think they'll help each other a lot. Heading into the 2021 season, UNC has a good chance to start two freshman guards and definitely two talented dynamic scorers leading the way for the Tar Heels this season. And now we're going to talk about wing rotation, kind of a, a under looked at area for the Tar Heels. We kind of know who's starting at point guard. The two and the three, there's some more questions there. We think Leaky Black is going to be the starter at the three. But you have Leaky Black, Andrew Playtech, RJ Davis, uh, Kerwin Walton, Anthony Harris, and Puff Johnson all kind of in there. We don't know a lot about a lot of those guys. What do you think kind of happens there? We'll start with Greg. Well, I think Leaky, because he is the veteran, uh, has kind of got a leg up there. Uh, we think that he's finally healthy, and he's a kid that's, that's battled injuries his first two years. Um, I think Roy Williams really likes his style of play in terms of thinking he can be a guy that you. we saw it with Theo Pinson, you know, kind of being a facilitator from the wing. I think Leaky has that capability. I think he played a lot better and certainly steadier late in the year once Cole Anthony came back last year even though he wasn't fully healthy. I think you can expect that. Now, is he going to be a guy that gives you a ton of scoring? No. And I think that's where some of these other guys really come in. Um, you know, we've heard some good things about Kern Walton and Puff Johnson being able to shoot the ball. I think that's critical. Uh, we've talked about uh, Andrew Playtech being a good leader. I think that's key. So you've got a lot of different pieces here that you can mix and match depending on what North Carolina needs at any given time. And, and that's a luxury for Roy Williams. Sherelle, your take on kind of how this all breaks down. Yeah, Leaky definitely is the leader in the clubhouse. Um, you know, he's a versatile player. I think Roy Williams likes a lot of things he can do. I mean, he had last year, he uh, had the most assists in a single game for UNC. Cole Anthony had eight. That was his high for the season. And Leaky had nine. So that shows you he can do those things. He had the most steals in a single game last season. I believe it was four. Um, so he has the versatility. Everybody on the team can't be a 20 point game, 20 points per game score. You kind of need someone, for lack of a better phrase, to get in there and to do the, to do the dirty work. And I think Leaky can do that um, defensively. I think he has a, a ton of potential there. I mean, just think about a guy 6'8", as long as he is, kind of hounding, you know, these 6'4", six, 6'5", six, wings that most schools start. I mean, that's a real huge advantage for UNC. And then, uh, frankly, you know, in a pinch, he can play some point guard, I think, you know. Greg, I, I don't, I can't remember the exact year. I think it was 2008 when uh, 
uh, Ty Lawson went down. I think Bobby Frazier might have been hurt. And Marcus Ginyard, they're at Virginia. It's an ugly, just 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 nasty game. They win in the 50s, but Marcus Ginyard comes in and just does just enough to keep UNC you know, on the right side and, and get them to a victory. I think that's the kind of thing that Leaky Black can provide, kind of emergency depth, depth at point guard, and then you know versatility and, and defensive prowess on the wing. Look, this is his breakout year. He's healthy. He's you know working the ankles, got his leg strength. I mean, everything is lining up for Leaky to have this great year. We can be that Swiss Army knife type player. He can score a little bit. He can pass. He can rebound. He can defend. So that's the focus here. You know, at that two spot too. I mean, how in terms of minutes and, and who who gets it? We've talked about R.J. Davis already. Um, if Harris is healthy, so there's a lot of moving pieces here. Greg, I mean, what do you think happens for that two spot for UNC, knowing what we know now? Well, again, the fact that Andrew Playtech is, is going to be a senior and he's a veteran leader for this team, uh, that, that's worth something. And Roy has always placed an emphasis on that. Um, now, he's going to have to earn that playing time, but because he understands exactly what Roy wants, uh, that's going to be beneficial for him. And that's, I think you're going to see him a lot early. And then as, as some of these other guys come along, uh, you know, Karen Walton, I think he's a fascinating uh, player just because you know, a lot of people have gotten to talked him up as being a – kind of a, a better shooter than maybe they would have expected out of a freshman. Um, and so I think you have some options there. Clearly sounds like you, Davis and Love are going to be your, your backcourt at least to start. Anthony Harris, once he kind of gets back and, and ready to go, he's a key component there. Uh, but because this is a, a shortened preseason or early season uh, because of COVID, uh, I think a lot of these guys are going to get a lot of minutes early just because Roy has to figure out who he can rely on before the ACC season starts. And I think that does play play into Leaky Black's hands as well as Playtex a little bit. Cheryl, you cover the recruitment of Kerwin Walton and Puff Johnson and R.J. Davis for that matter. What can they bring in year one? Uh, yeah, shooting. I mean, especially uh, Kerwin Walton. I think that's the one area where you really think he's ahead of everyone else because that that's kind of his signature thing. That's why he's at North Carolina is because he showed the ability to shoot. Um, Puff Johnson, I think, you know, the early reports on him are actually more positive. Than I think people might expect, and, and he's not just a shooter. Um, we talked to his father a long time ago, Gilbert Johnson, also father of Gam Johnson, obviously. And, you know, he talked about how Puff was just more inclined to kind of get down in the paint and, and do some of the dirty work and didn't mind playing against guys who were taller than him, a little more physical than Cam. So I, I think he that you know he's got that going for him. And, and as you know, at, at Carolina, when it comes to wings, you have to be able to rebound and you have to be able to make shots. And Puff, you know, because of his length and because of his size, he's going to be able to do that. I mean, it's he's six eight and he's got really really long arms, and that's going to help him a, a lot. And then there's the system knowledge that he has. I mean, the kid basically has lived Carolina basketball the last three or four years with his brother being there. And you know, there are examples where we talked to Gil where he said that, you know, they would be breaking down film and, you know, Puff would be diagnosing things before Cam did uh, in UNC system. So I think that's invaluable as well for him and kind of gives him a leg up. One of the more intriguing positions to look at is the wing rotation, the two and the three in UNC's offense, some freshmen, some veterans, and certainly Leaky Black is what UNC will be looking at heading into this season. We want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Johnny T-shirt. It's definitely getting colder here in Chapel Hill, 35 this morning. I wanted to put a sweatshirt on, maybe some Johnny T-shirt UNC sweatpants or joggers. So it's time to head to Johnny T-shirt and GiantT-shirt.com. Use the Inside Carolina Premium Membership to get a 10% off discount code for your Johnny T-shirt um, purchases. 
it's a great time to start getting gifts for Christmas. You know, you got birthdays coming up, all the different celebrations we're having during this time. Head to Johnny T-Shirt right on Franklin Street or johnnytshirt.com. They have tons of gifts, tons of little things, tons of big things. Of course, their signature T-shirts and sweatshirts and all your UNC apparel for football and basketball and Olympic sports. Head to Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com. And don't forget to use that 10% off discount code for all Inside Carolina subscribers. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. We're going to look at back up point guard now. We know that Caleb Love is going to be the starter, five-star point guard, slotted as that, that next freshman guard. But behind him, there's some options here. RJ Davis can play a little point guard. Leaky Black has kind of been a quasi-backup point guard for the last couple of years. Shrell, how do you see that, that happening um, in terms of backup point guard position for UNC? Yeah, whoever is not in between Caleb Love and R.J. Davis is going to be the backup point guard, essentially. Okay. Um, so we, we think both of them are going to start because of Anthony Harris's injury. And if that's the case, then it'll be a situation very similar to when Kendall Marshall and Dexter Strickland started in the backcourt a few years ago. Uh, Kendall would come out and get a little bit of a rest, you know, usually around the 13 or 12 minute mark. And Dexter Strickland would run the point guard spot for a few minutes. And then Kendall Marshall would come back into the game and they go from there. So I think that's what we'll see. I think Leakey um, can play it in a pinch, but I think he really needs to focus on one thing. There's not, he hasn't, um, you know, had the opportunity really to play one position during his time at Carolina, just because they've needed to put him at different places in order to kind of cover some depth issues that they might've had. So I think this is the year for him to kind of stay at the three, unless it's an emergency. Uh, you know, if RJ Davis is in foul trouble, Caleb Love's in foul trouble, Anthony Harris still isn't playing, then maybe you go to Leaky. But I think it kind of goes uh, Caleb and then RJ Davis. Anthony Harris is an asterisk because we just don't know about his health and then Leaky. Um, but they have four guys who, in a pinch, could play point guard, which is, you know, more than they had in the last couple of years. Great. Your take on this? Sorry. Yeah, Sherell Sh- Sh- mentioned the, the fact of you know, Kendall and, and Dexter. We've seen this play out a lot over the years, and even recently uh, when Marcus Page uh, was at North Carolina, you had Joel Berry come in. And Berry's freshman year, uh, they kept him solely at the one, and that allowed Marcus to play the two. And they did that 
because it's much easier for a freshman just to learn that that point guard position. Marcus had been there, kind of understood what to do. Uh, Roy would love to be able to do that, uh, but because both these guys are freshmen, you don't quite have that same luxury. But the still the concept still applies, and uh, that you, you want to make sure you kind of have one key guy. But both of them are going to have to play the point guard, um, and so I, I think even when Anthony Harris is ready to go. I don't think that's going to disrupt what, what Roy wants to do with Davis and Love getting the primary minutes at the one, if anything, to make it a little bit easier. Uh, but I, I think when you, when you talk about this team having so many bigs and so many guys that can score down low, that's where Leaky Black is really you know, important because, yes, he can play backup point guard as needed, but you want that passing ability at the wing spots so that you can kind of feed it down. And you're talking about Love, Davis, and Black uh, on the court with their passing ability. Uh, that bodes well for the bigs. Roy Williams has always said he wants at least three point guards on the roster. He has that in Caleb Love. RJ Davis can play the point guard. And, of course, Leaky Black and Anthony Harris in a pinch as we break down all the top storylines for UNC basketball. Guys, I mean, when UNC can knock down some threes, they're a much better team, especially in a year where they have some big men. They can really spread the court out and knock down a couple shots from deep. Uh, they're going to be a much better team. Greg, looking at this roster and what UNC likes to do, likes to do, what do you think about three-point shooting entering the 2020-21 season? Well, it's kind of it kind of depends on how you look at it, right? Because we know that there's not a lot of proven three-point shooters on this team. And the hope for this team is that the incoming freshmen, uh, whether it be Puff Johnson or Corwin Walton or Caleb Love or even R.J. Davis – uh, if North Carolina is going to have success shooting the three ball, it's really got to come from those guys. Um, on the flip side, North Carolina's season last year, that was the worst three-point shooting team that we have seen at North Carolina. Um, so only where to go is up, right? And uh, so this doesn't have to be an elite three-point shooting team, mm-hmm. given what they have in the post. Uh, what, what has to happen is for this team to be – better than last year, but it does not have to be some of the elite teams like we've seen that were so proficient from, from deep. Yeah. I mean, we, we think this team's going to rely a lot on interior scoring with Garrison Brooks and Baycott and Daron Sharp. So maybe not as important. They have to knock down threes, but Shrell, you follow these guys during their recruitment, you know, kind of the, the roster and what it looks like. And the fact that the majority of UNC's maybe best perimeter players are freshmen what do you think the roster can bring from a three-point shooting perspective? Um, I think it can bring the actual ability to shoot, which I think is something they were missing um, in these past teams. You know, there weren't any guys I think you would say were designated shooters. They might have been recruited to do that, but they had never proven that um, over a stretch of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do think North Carolina is not going to be a great three-point shooting team this year. And to Greg's point, I don't think they necessarily need to be. They What they need to be is competent to average just because of the – massive advantage they're going to have inside over most teams so if those guys can just you know hit shots and it doesn't have to be the same guy every game you know freshmen are wildly inconsistent when it comes to shooting from three and most of the time they're actually not very good to be frank uh so if they can have you know rj davis hit a couple threes one game and then caleb love another game and then walton and johnson even kessler to some degree if those guys can just you know each game somebody hit two or three threes and i think they'll be fine yeah, and we don't know the status of Anthony Harris. He could be an impact player from, from deep for UNC. Uh, who knows if Leaky Black and Andrew Playtech can kind of take a jump from, from last season and be three-point shooters. Uh, 
for both y'all, who do you think is the, the, the best three point shooter on this team? When we look back on this season in March and April, Greg, I will go Puff Johnson. Okay. You think he gets enough time to, to knock down threes? Uh, Sherelle? I will say RJ Davis will make the most threes, but maybe not be the most proficient. But I think he'll have the opportunity. And I don't think he'll have a, a ton of clean looks just because of their uh, inside presence. Great. And when you look at this, this roster and this team, in time, inside scoring is definitely a strength. Question marks at three-point shooting. We don't really know what the, uh, what the, the wing situation is going to look like. I know we've talked in the past about who is there, but what's the dynamic when you don't have a, a proven kind of go-to guy on the wing? We'll start with Greg. Well, we've seen this oddly enough uh, several times of late for Roy Williams, where you, you have these teams that can be so dominant. Um, and you have a guy like a Cam Johnson who can just light things up. But then you've got other years where there's this avoid. And, and a lot of that's due, of course, to, to recruiting. So I'll let Sherelle kind of dive into that. But for this year, I mean, the hope has is, is got to be Leaky Black on the wing. And, and you're right, the fact that North Carolina has uh, some scoring guards and R.J. Davis and Caleb Love in the backcourt, uh, that bodes well. And then you know, clearly this team's strength is in the, in the post. Um, but Leaky Black really needs to be consistent this year. He doesn't have to be a big scorer. Uh, but he's got to be able to do a lot of the little things. He's got to be able to rebound. He's got to be able to defend, uh, make some good passes, facilitate the offense. Um, and that's going to be key. And then if you can bring in a guy like a Puff Johnson who can knock down some shots and, and give you some quality minutes, that's really all you need. Um, but we have to see that play out, right? We have to be able to see Leakey and Puff contribute uh, and really help fill that void. Yeah, I mean, this team might be as good as Leaky Black can be. I mean, they need him to kind of take the next jump to, to really be a fantastic team. Behind Leaky, Sherelle, um, we kind of seen Anthony Harris. We, we may see some R.J. Davis playing a wing spot because um, the two and the three are, are very similar positions. Puff Johnson, uh, Corin Walton. How do you kind of see that position breaking down and how that affects how good this team can be? Yeah, Greg nailed it in that Leaky, you know, is definitely the leader in the clubhouse. And um, it's really going to be up to him as far as, you know, development with a shot, just making an being able to make an open shot is going to be huge, like we've talked about with their inside presence. But I do think there's a chance that if, you know, pending Anthony Harris's health, that we see a, a bit of a three guard lineup. I don't think that's out of the question at all. It's something that Roy Williams has done at Kansas and to some degree at UNC. And especially when you start talking about these um, close the game type scenarios, you're going to want guys who are proficient ball handlers and guys who can make their free throws. And by all accounts, uh, Caleb Love, RJ Davis, and Anthony Harris for that description. Now, uh, you know, Leaky Black can do that too. I, I think, um, you know, there could, could be a situation where there's four guards in there where, you know, Roe Williams just wants to use that versatility. But um, uh, more than anything, I think it's Leaky, Leaky Black's position to lose. I agree with Greg that it seems like Puff Johnson is probably a little bit ahead of Crowwood Walton right now, but I wouldn't count Walton out either because as we've talked about ad nauseum, you know, over the last few months, they're just not going to let a repeat of last year happen. And uh, they might be a little unconventional uh, to get that done. And if it means playing Walton more over Leaky Black because they're not happy with the way Black is playing, then they'll do that. Uh, but I, I think the three-guard lineup is something to watch as well, uh, basically with Love, Harris, and uh, R.J. Davis. 
Interesting. Yeah, we kind of know, you know, point guard and we kind of know big men at two and three spot. Uh, there's definitely a lot of names there with, with Leaky Black, certainly one of the stronger options for UNC. And we'll learn more when the, the season kind of gets rolling and we have a better idea of what this roster holds for the Tar Heels. Guys, this is a season unlike any other. We have the, the schedule now. It's a 27-game schedule. Fans, you know, Duke's not having fans. Unlikely UNC will have any fans. Louisville's have a, a 10%, 15% capacity. There's a lot of changes in terms of travel, in terms of um, how big the traveling party will be. And certainly, like I said, the, the, the fan implications for, uh, for college basketball this year. Sherelle, when you look at this whole pandemic, how do you kind of see this affecting UNC basketball the most this season? Well, I think UNC basketball, much like uh, Kentucky in, in most years and Duke in most years, is going to be heavily reliant on freshmen to contribute and, and to really uh, kind of buttress their roster when it comes to scoring. And if the NBA bubble showed us anything is that when guys have ideal conditions, meaning not a lot of travel, not a lot of fans, not a lot of noise, uh, they make shots at a high clip. They play offense really well. So that could kind of counter the, the thoughts about freshmen and shooting. Because if you're in an empty arena, you know, it's not going to be that much different uh, aside from the players on the court than, you know, an AAU game or anything. Um, so these guys are used to that. And I think, um, you know, self-starting is going to be huge for a, a lot of players. I think if you're someone who needs the crowd or who needs that extra jolt to get you to play your best, you're going to have to figure out a way uh, to kind of harness that because it's not going to be there. So uh, those are the two biggest things I think of aside from all the stuff about whether or not they're actually going to play the games is the freshmen uh, not having the environment that they're used to going up against. And then the ability for people to kind of bring their own energy. Yeah. I mean, you're not even kind of looking deeply at how much this team's going to have to bubble. Um, the change in the class schedule certainly affects practice time and things like that. So a lot of things we don't know about Greg, we've talked in the past. I mean, Duke, no fans, Cameron indoor stadium, no fans. That's going to be completely different. Um, you know, with you covering games and knowing the impact of fans, how do you think that kind of affects a team like UNC with, with six freshmen, but definitely some veterans and all the dynamics that go into uh, a stadium on game day? Well, I look at a lot of these games and, and some tough places to play, right? At NC State, that's always a crazy crowd. You mentioned Duke. Um, Syracuse tends to be pretty, pretty wild. A lot of people can fit in the Carrier Dome. Clemson can get loud. Uh, Florida State always has a good crowd when they're good. Uh, Georgia Tech's a tough place to play. So a lot of these teams uh, that North Carolina will have to travel to may not be that daunting of a task, and that, that's the benefit. Uh, but the one that really stands out to me, kind of to your question, Ross, is, is Iowa. Um, I can think back to any number of these early season games, whether it be you know, at Illinois. Uh, I'm trying to think what year that was, but that was a game that got ugly for North Carolina. Indiana stands out, Marcus Page's freshman year. Gonzaga. Um, I remember Gonzaga one year had a, had a rowdy stadium too. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, when you're able to go early in the year, especially with freshmen and it's not a crazy scene, that's beneficial. And I think that that's something that's going to help North Carolina. Do you lose the uh, energy? Yeah, of course, especially at home. Uh, but I, I think what happens on the road kind of outweighs what you lose at home. For sure. I mean, this could be change of the betting spreads when you look at how much a Cameron crazy, uh, Cameron Indoor could impact one game. So certainly a factor to look into. And who knows if that will change as we get um, from January, February to March about fans at arenas for college basketball this year. Uh, Greg, when you look at leadership and how important it is to have veterans, 
How do you see that playing out for the Tar Heels this season? Yeah, I think the fact that you have guys like Leakey and Garrison and Playtech, uh, everything that they've been through, that'll be such a benefit for, for all these all these young guys. Um, you know, two years ago, this is the team that was the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, they're 14 and 19. So they've been through the ups and downs. They understand what it takes, how, how things can spiral out of control, how things can happen when you get hot and get on a run. They know all those things and they know what it takes. They know how to handle those situations. Um, and that's what you have to have. Um, you know, we've seen some years where, I mean, last year's a good example. You're kind of really limited with what you have uh, to help these guys along. And so I think just having some, some older guys, it doesn't have to be many. The fact that you have three that have played a lot of minutes and started a lot of games, especially last year, uh, that's really going to allow these young guys to come along and understand what to expect. Yeah, I mean, always UNC's best teams are always veteran-laden when you look at 2005, 2009, um, 2017, with, uh, and then 2016 even with Marcus Page and Joel Berry. Um, this team will look different in the fact that the, the, the lead guards are going to be freshmen, but definitely a veteran presence with Brooks and Black. Sherelle, we've talked about how they're going to lean on last season as motivation. That kind of plays in this dynamic as well. Um, what do you see from leadership from, from Brooks in particular and then how guys like Leaky Black Amanda Bacot can, can bring on these freshmen and maybe even freshmen step up in a leadership role. Cause when your point guard is your leader and your hardest worker, maybe your best player that can also be um, a big impact for the team. Yeah. I think the dirty secret is, is that you can't, you know, you have to be a contributor in order to be a leader. Mm-hmm. So that eliminates some people who have experience at, at Carolina. Um, but I think Garrison Brooks is kind of perfect for UNC this year. Um, you know, talking to these guys over the last few years, almost all of them at some point say, oh, yeah, I love Garrison Brooks. I have a relationship with him even before they even stepped on campus just because he's so good, you know, when they come on visits and, um, you know, in the process of leading up to them enrolling at UNC. So they all have experience with him even before they even got on campus. And I think, you know, through no fault of his own, last year was Cole Anthony's team. And as a freshman, he just didn't know the rigors of college basketball, what to expect, you know, what to do when you're down 10, what to do when you're up 25, that kind of thing. And Garrison Brooks, you know, this is his team this year pretty clearly. And as Greg said, he's been through it. He's been on a team that was okay. He's been on a team that was a number one seed and that some people thought had a chance to win a national championship. And he's been on the team that had the worst record in Roy Williams' entire career. So he has the gamut of experiences, you know, all the way around to say, you know, this is what we do in this situation. I don't want to go back to last year, or this is how we become the number one seed. I was there with Kobe White and with Cam Johnson and all those guys. So I think he's absolutely perfect for this team. As far as a freshman, um, you know, if you play well enough, I think you become a leader. Kobe White was probably a reluctant leader, but he became a leader on that team just because he ended up being, you know, kind of 1A, 1B with Cam Johnson as the best player on the team. Yeah, and we and in college basketball, I mean, it's a you know forty minute game. There's this less room for error, and a decision here, a decision there, in the final minutes that a veteran can make can really be the difference in the game. Last year, we saw so many games lost in the last minute, last thirty seconds. You would hope they've learned from those lessons. You have a guy that knows what to do, knows you know, when to call a timeout, when to do this and that, when to foul, when not to foul. With Leaky Black, Garrison Brooks, or Monty Bacot, maybe that pays off this year. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, especially when there's not a huge talent uh, you know, deficit between the teams you're going to play. 
if you're going to, if you're playing someone who has similar talent, then what are you going to lean on? You're going to lean on that experience. And that's where I just think it's invaluable for the, for them to have Brooks. And like you said, to some degree, Black and, and Baycott as well and Playtech. Yeah. I mean, experience, veteran leadership and, and talent is the, is the key Roy Williams formula for successful teams. All right. Last one. Guys, kind of big picture here. I mean, how good can this UNC team be? What is the potential and what is the ceiling? We'll start with uh, start with uh, Sherelle to kind of break down his expectations for uh, the 2020-21 Tar Heels. Uh, I think they're definitely a tournament team. I think they're going to be much improved from last season. And after that, it just depends on which questions you're answering that we have going into the preseason. So if there's a situation where Caleb Love and RJ Davis are dynamic lead guards and they play really well, then there's no reason to think that this team, you know, at minimum can't get to the Sweet 16 and possibly to the Final Four. If Caleb Love and RJ Davis have injuries or they're not quite at the level we thought, then, you know, your hope is that the team can maybe squeak into uh, the second weekend. So that, that's kind of where I'm at. I see them anywhere between, you know, that that Saturday game of the first weekend in the NCAA tournament all the way to the Final Four. I know that seems like a, a cop-out, yeah. but I think that's, you know, the margin for error there is just how well uh, the two guys play in the backcourt, the two freshmen. Yeah, I mean, there's some known commodities, but there's a lot of unknowns. Uh, Greg, when you look at a team with, with so many question marks in certain areas, but with a lot of talent that we just haven't seen yet, and number 16 in the AP ranking, how do you see this team in terms of expectations, potential, and ceiling? Well, I look at this team's makeup, and I think this is has the potential to be a classic Roy Williams team. And if we know anything about what Roy Williams team is, uh, that means they're going to be pretty good. And I, th- I think when you've got what – could be the best front court in the country, at least in terms of depth and, and talent. That's a great place to start. Um, Shrell is exactly right. You know, Caleb Love and RJ Davis have to play up to potential. But I don't think they have to be uh, phenoms, right? I mean, I don't think they have to play like top 10 draft picks. They have to be good. Um, but when you can lean on the post, and you know, what the post does is not only does it give you offensive scoring, it helps you on defense, it helps you in rebounding. Uh, as everybody knows, with Roy Williams, if you rebound the ball, dominate the glass, that, that sets up the transition game for you. Uh, you know, I don't have any question about Caleb Love and R.J. Davis in transition. It's the half-court sets where I think they may struggle a little bit. So this team can be effective in the post on both ends of the court and get out in transition and run some. They're going to beat a lot of teams. And then if, if Caleb Love and R.J. Davis you surpass that threshold – that plateau of just kind of being being good but not great, uh, then we're talking about a team that really can push for a Final Four. But uh, Sherelle's right. How the backcourt performs is going to tell us what we need to know. I just don't want people thinking they have to be great because I don't think they have to be. Yeah, when you get a lot of scoring from, you would think, from uh, Daron Sharp and, and Garrison Brooks and Baycott, I mean, that's, that could be 30, 40 points right there, maybe a little more, and then um, – a little bit here and there from, from, from RJ Davis and Caleb Love. And who knows? It could be a, end up being a, a better shooting team than we think. And I think the balance of this team with an inside and outside presence is, is when UNC really thrives. And there's a lot of different players. You know, if, if a couple of guys aren't hot one night, there, it seems like there's a couple of guys that can definitely step in at time. And that's why I think this team you know, has a chance to be good. And we'll definitely find out more when the season starts. Um, number 16 heading into the season starting November 25th. With this UNC team, um, some some tests early, the Mount Invitational, and definitely at Iowa in early December. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. 
brought to you by johnnytshirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 